Hello, I'm Jen Uphoff Gray, founder and artistic director of Forward Theater Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And this is Theater Forward, a twice monthly conversation about theater from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theater in the Midwest and around the country. And welcome to episode 90 of Theater Forward. For this episode, I wanted to take some time to talk about the conditions for emerging directors in our field. Obviously, this is very personally important to me as a director, and I'm just really thrilled to introduce the guests uh, that we have with us for this conversation. So we have Mallory Metaxen, who is a director dedicated to nurturing new works, invigorating classics with a feminist lens, and demolishing the gender parity gap in the theater industry. She's the Associate Artistic Director at Seven Devils New Play Foundry, runs and facilitates Clusterfuck, a national work in, new work incubator with the COOP, and, she, and was formerly Renaissance Theater Works' artistic associate and director of new play development, where she founded and ran Brink, a new play festival for Midwestern women playwrights. Mallory holds an MFA in directing for the theater school at DePaul University in Chicago. And we also have with us Jake Penner, a theater and film director who currently is based in Los Angeles after building his professional career here in Wisconsin. He most recently served as artistic associate at American Players Theater in Spring Green, where he'll be directing again this coming summer. Jake has spent many years as a member of Forward's advisory company and has directed several main stage productions and new play workshops for us. And he received an Emmy Award for his work directing The Light for PBS Wisconsin. So here are two fantastic, I guess I would use the term emerging directors. Um, in that I feel like you're both getting attention. You're not, you know, at the very beginning of your journey, but I feel there is much yet ahead for both of you. So that's why I would would use that term emerging. But um, thanks for agreeing to come and just chat with me about what it's like in our field. I think things have changed. Many things have changed a lot since I was starting as an emerging director. Um, some things have maybe not changed. Um, but I'm just excited to see where this conversation goes. And um, Mallory, why don't I just start with you? If you want to kind of um, just recap kind of your your journey as a director to this point, um, and and how you've how you've pursued building your career. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for having me. This is so fun. Um, uh, so I started in Milwaukee. Um, and uh, I graduated from my undergrad at Cardinal Church University and um, found myself with, with an internship at Renaissance Theater Works. And during my internship, um, asked to assistant direct a, a couple of shows in their season. Um, so I was doing some office work and also was able to be in on rehearsals. Um, and that's that's honestly um, assisting Susan Fate on a show was how um, I got hired at Renaissance and got my first um, directing gig with them. Um, it was my first professional gig um, directing The Understudy by Teresa Rebeck. Um, and I became their artistic associate and that's when I started Brink. Um, they were like, we don't know what you want to do above the office stuff. And I was like, here's a pitch. Like, I love doing new plays. Like, can I start a whole festival? And they were so on board, had been wanting to do it for years. Um, and that's, that's um, after the understudy, that's when I started um, 
talking to other theater companies and and working with them, working with Forward on the Monologue Festival, and yeah, um, yeah and uh, and then I decided um, I wanted uh, more education specifically on my directing because um, I'd had a broad liberal arts education prior to that. So um, that's when I decided I wanted to go to grad school. Um, and that whole process, like talking about going to grad school, could probably be a whole nother podcast. Oh, we will definitely come <laughs> back around to that topic for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, I uh, I had to do an extra year because of COVID kind of. I, I took a little break, but so I had like a four year um, education at DePaul University um, and uh, finished that up in March of last year. So, um, yeah, and I, I just recently directed a show in Indiana um, and I'm going back to DePaul in a couple of weeks to work with some of the MFAs on their show. So Fantastic. Yeah. Great. Well, um Thank you for that, that sort of tour through your, your career. And yeah, I definitely want to come back to the, to grad school or not to grad school conversation. Because there's not a right answer. There's just the factors you should consider. Um, but Jake, I mean, really same, same question for you about the evolution of your career as a director. Yeah, absolutely. I, along those lines, I feel like I want to ask Mallory about, yeah, the factors to consider graduate school. Um, uh, cause like you said, emerging director, I, I don't know that any director actually ever feels like that, that word that leads their, their name is ever going to go away. And I'm saying that after speaking to a lot of uh, later career directors now, but, um, so I, I started as an actor, but I feel like I, I, that wasn't ever going to be the place that I settled. And I think I was savvy enough to know even back then that it was really more a way for me to to learn the stage and the writing from the inside. And I, I suspect that even you, Jen, knew that when you gave me my first professional acting uh, a job with Forward Theater. Um, I, I was in school and I was trying to figure out, you know, what where to go next with, uh, with the theater and, and where to learn uh, uh, the craft of directing. And um, realized in my final year of school that I didn't need to go much further than just upstate street. And, uh, and I, I approached, uh, you, Jen, and, uh, and said, Hey, well, I, you know, I'd love to assistant direct for you. I have no idea if I'm going to be any good at this, but I, I've always been curious about it. And I've always admired people who do it. And in my time as an, uh, as an apprentice actor at American players theater, I, I remember, uh, distinctly looking across the rehearsal room and thinking, I'm standing in the wrong spot right now. Uh, I should figure out how to get over there by the table with the guy, you know, with his arms folded and uh, <laughs> scrutinizing every detail of this because um, uh, he seems to know a lot. Um, uh, and so I, I started working for you as, as an assistant director. Uh, the first show that we did together was, uh, was, it was from up here, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Silent Sky the following year after that. Um, I think it was one more show before you transitioned me to your associate uh, director right rather than Silent assistant Sky. director. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I, you don't talk about lucky. I, that was one of those things that I, as I was kicking around the, the thought of going to study in, in a graduate program, I... <laughs> assuming anyone was going to let me in and they probably weren't going to, because I wasn't a very good student. Um, I, I had a sense even then that it wasn't going to be the right path for, for me individually. I just, I've, I've never been a very good student in a formal atmosphere. I'm I, the pace is either too fast or too slow for me, give, you know, depending on the context. 
I'm not very good at the politics that it seems like are involved in big institutions, particularly like universities. Um, and, uh, and so I, I think I, 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 I saw an opportunity to, to learn from you, someone whom I admired and worked with for years at that point and thought, well, you know, this, this feels pretty perfect. Um, and I, I, I hesitate to call what we did an internship because it didn't ever really feel like that. Uh, really from day one, it felt like you, you and I found a really great rhythm and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and you were curious about what I thought about things even before I even had the vocabulary or the know-how to, uh, to articulate it. Um, and so, uh, somewhere in there, uh, a program at UW Madison called first wave, uh, which is the hip hop scholarship, uh, department, uh, and spoken word department at, at UW. It's sort of the singular program in the country for this sort of thing where they, they work with young scholars who, who are interested in hip hop and spoken word as the art form are also highly involved in activism and are themselves otherworldly intelligent. And I, they called you one day and I, I, I gather the conversation went something like, Hey, you, you, person who does a thing that we don't do. Uh, we seem to be teaching some young people who are starting to produce things on the page that look like what you do. Uh, help us please. And That's so one of exactly those, right. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, and so one of those students, uh, his name was Jalarina Sanders. Um, she was a senior at the time. She was, trying to get this one woman self-written show off the ground. She had been for a couple of years. She had about 20 pages of it written of what was ultimately going to be a 60 or 70 page script, sent it to her advisor, advisor sent it to you. You must've looked at it and said, I, th I think I have somebody who might be able to help out with this, even though you didn't really know that for sure at the time, um, sent it over to me. And I was just so hungry to start putting into practice some of what, what I was observing you do in the rehearsal room. And I, I without even really reading it said, yes, please would love to do it. Um, and I feel like there are times in life when you get paired with somebody or a group of people, uh, where you just feel like you nailed it correctly on the first try. And that was me and Jalarina. I mean, we were both sort of coming off of a period of creative work where I don't think we felt all that connected to what we were doing. And, uh, and we were trying to create something new together, um, uh, uh, before either of us really knew what we were doing. I think she was new to that kind of live performance, despite being a spoken word uh, poet. We were asking, she was, she was asking herself in the writing to do something a lot more dramatic than anything she'd ever done. I had never directed anything before. We had no resources and no money. Sometimes uh, people will lean over to me, even to this day when I'm directing plays in the rehearsal room and say, you don't ever sit down, do you? And that's a habit left over from when I didn't have a chair because the one chair we had access to needed to be Rena's. So I was standing behind the table rather than sitting. Um, and that really produced a, a creative partnership that we've continued to this day. We've come back to work together on, on all kinds of projects, including the one you alluded to in the intro you gave me of the, the project at PBS Wisconsin that went on to win the regional Emmy. Um, she's uh, doing all kind of great work down in the Atlanta area right now. Uh, some of which for, for Marvel studios, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that out loud yet. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so we, we've been able to keep this, this conversation going between the two of us uh, as we develop our own craft while also, you know, I've gotten to direct a couple of plays at forward theater and uh, which have been sort of dream projects for me. Um, even the one that we didn't really get to do in front of a live audience because it was deep, deep in the pandemic, but mm -hmm. that, that team and the material and getting to work on, on a Sam Hunter play was, a was about as a, a privileged a position I think as any young director could be in. Um, and then, uh, 
in, I guess it was two and a half years ago or so, I applied to the Open Artistic Associate position at uh, one of my alma maters, American Players Theater. And uh, 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 they called me back and they said, hey, uh, uh, the person we, we wanted had another gig. Do you, you know, be in the second person on our list, would you like to come out and work for us? And I said, absolutely. Yeah, sign me up. It's for a three month contract, right? And I was like, yeah. Um, and I got there and that was the first week in March of 2020. And so the theater was shut down inside of maybe 10 days of me getting there. Um, and I thought, well, that was a fun week and a half. I guess I'll try and figure out what to do now. Um, but thankfully we got really lucky at APT with some donors who came through for us and some state money that came through for us and some federal money that came through for us at a time when, you know, the, the entire country was figuring out just how to keep industry going, no matter what the industry was. And so I got really lucky, uh, in, in, uh, and that, that administration kept me on, uh, for that, for that first summer that I was supposed to already have been gone by then for, um, because of the relationship that I had established with PBS Wisconsin, who at the time was also hurting for content to put on the, on the air. And, uh, and so we reached out to them and I said, Hey, remember me? And, uh, and they were like, yeah, what are you guys doing right now? We're like, well, people seem to be making these zoom readings. Uh, and it seems like a crazy idea, but we're going to try it and we're going to go all, all in on it. Would you like them? And they said, please God, because they couldn't make anything either at the time. Um, and so after that, I think, uh, you know, it was like, it's like princess bride, like every day at the end of, at the end of the work day, I would go to Brenda and, you know, Wesley, uh, thanks so much. I'll, I plan to kill you in the morning. Um, but Brenda kept, kept me on staff until, uh, just a couple of months ago when I, uh, finally left my order cord, but, um, it's been a great couple of years and I, I learned a lot about directing while I was there and certainly about how to run a theater at the, and that, you know, that, that next job that seems to be the sort of natural progression for any emerging director through established director to somebody running a theater. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, I will just add that uh, having you as my associate director was a, a privilege and an asset, a huge asset for me and for forward. So um, you gave at least as much as you got, if not. Oh, thank more, you. So. Um, and I, you know, I'll just toss in, I'm not going to, going to really go into to my path a, a, a lot in this conversation, but I think it just for a, a baseline, um, uh, I came out of undergrad knowing that I wanted to be a director, moved to New York city, started doing that directing in basements thing. Um, and pretty promptly got some work, uh, as an assistant director for an off Broadway show, which led to being an assistant director on some Broadway shows, which led to being an associate director on some Broadway shows and directing some national tours and directing my own stuff, no longer in basements, but in, you know, more like an off-Broadway theater. Um, and somewhere about the midpoint of that, that journey is when I was like, I should go back to graduate school and then um, had everybody I was talking with in the application process talk me out of going because I was getting a lot of work. And, and um, for me personally, um, teaching wasn't the end goal. And they're like, if you don't need the piece of paper and you're getting the work, then, then this is not the right path for you. There were certainly moments in my life, like when I moved back to Madison before we started forward, where I thought, gosh, it would have been nice to have that piece of paper and have, have teaching be an option. Um, but anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm on the, I didn't, I didn't get the MFA, um, more the apprentice model, um, learning from assisting a lot of different really great folks um, and learning what I liked and what I didn't like um, in that way. Uh, 
But so here's a, here's the next question. You both talked about some fortuitous things that happened that helped you along in your career. Were there things that ever felt like a big barrier where you're like, I, I know that I want to be a professional theater director. What's getting in my way? This thing is getting in my way or this lack of something is getting in my way. You're nodding, Ma- Mallory. What's coming? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, well, I think something that people don't talk about very much um, is like having to have another paying job outside of doing theater almost all the time. Um, like, and I feel like this barrier was finally broken down for me at the top of COVID when, you know, my professors were scrambling a little bit to try and, you know, do things online and, and, you know, what strings could they pull, um, to, you know, bring people in and, and Rachel Chavkin came into one of my classes and was like, you know, no one asked for this, but like. I'm going to tell you where I was in my career and also what my day job was, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because she, she like had seven jobs while she was, you know, workshopping plays for Broadway. And like, that is kind of a reality. You need to find, I, I love what she said, like find a job that is flexible, that you are willing to leave because you have to be able to jump at those opportunities when they come. Um, I feel like that's, that's like one of the biggest things, like there, there isn't like some secret sauce that's going to make freelance freelancing, uh, an easy thing for you. Um, you know, there's always other stuff in the mix. Um, I I love hearing (laughs) that story, Mallory, because honestly, Jake, you've heard me say this, that is always the first piece of advice that I give anyone who says to me, I want to be director. And the first thing is always find the day job that allows you to sustain your life, but that you can leave on like a day's notice without feeling super guilty about it. Mm-hmm. For me, that was temping in New York City. I was like, I was an office temp and I would make a decent salary. And I, many is the time I would get a call the day before a Broadway rehearsal process would start. And they would say, you know what? We just realized we don't have an assistant director. Can you start tomorrow? And I would say, yep. Bye-bye, <laughs> sorry, but you didn't have to pay me benefits. So this is what you get. Yep. Um, so I love that, that other people are, are, are saying that because it is, it's how do you sustain your life so that you feel like you're, you're making progress between, between those gigs. Yeah. And I feel like I hear, I heard that a lot in school from some of the, you know, undergrads who um, at DePaul were like, I, I want to launch into my career. And there are some some students from DePaul that have been able to do that, um, you know, but directing is a whole different thing. You don't just you don't just get found and then start like yep. directing. you got to be willing to do to do those projects in basements and you know, in people's living rooms and backyards and stuff like that. And I also think like scrappy theater can also be some of the funnest because it's all problem solving. And that's what we do is we problem solve. Yeah. (laughs) Jake, what about you? Same question about barriers. I I mean, I I have nothing to really add uh, to to that piece of it. The financial part is absolutely a real barrier. I mean, I, I, you know, if you can find the thing that you can, that you don't mind doing that you can leave at the drop of the hat, that's also been paying you health insurance this whole time. That's sort of the Goldilocks standard. 
Um, and that's rare. I was really lucky right around the time that I started to, to direct on the main stage at forward that I had a, a, a temp job that turned into a 30 hour a week work remotely job where I could actually work asynchronously with the rest of the customer service team that I was sort of supporting, um, while also, while also directing. So it turned into, you know, early mornings, late nights after rehearsals, sort of, you know, there were long days, the long days in the beginning. And I don't know that there's really a way around it. I mean, uh, like, like Mallory said, it's a, <laughs> there is this, uh, and this is the other thing I guess I would add to it is that there's a catch 22 to starting out as a director. I, you can't get hired to do the job until someone knows that you can do the job, but no one's going to know that you can do the job until you've done the job. So sometimes an artistic director, you know, has, has, you know, found it, uh, uh, to, to be able to support you for the last couple of years might know enough about what you're capable of doing, probably knows damn well, you're going to fail in some pretty big ways and then hires you anyway, because they know that from experience that there's no other way to get good at this other than to just get thrown in and start doing it. And so that's a, that's a barrier. I feel like every working director has, has come up against at some point in, in their career. I, uh, you know, if not multiple times, and I don't, I don't know any other way through it other than to ha have some good luck and some good fortune at times, but also to just sort of be, uh, to be on that stationary bike of learning the craft and practicing at the craft. And as soon as you get that call, go, because that could potentially then turn into a string of things that lead to uh, a little bit more stability or, or some name recognition and, um, and that's the, and then that's the level that you got to continue getting lucky, right? You got to become the person where it's like, okay, oh, I know, I know who to call for this thing, right? The, the, the musical where a bunch of teenagers are also dealing with some supernatural problem. That's, that's Jake. I'll call Jake. Um, <laughs> not anything I intended to, 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 seem to become, but that seems to be the thing lately. Um, so, uh, so yeah, really just, uh, keeping, keeping at it until, until someone decides to take a chance on you, even when they know that you're going to screw this up. Um, but there's no other way to, to learn. Yeah. It seems to me, and you know, Jake, I know you and I have talked about this a lot. There's there, I, I can think of like three big pieces of the puzzle of learning the skill set to be a director. Um, you don't have to have all three. But, you know, different ways of getting at it. There's the going to grad school and having the opportunity to do it a lot, you know, to, to, to be taught by folks, to, to, to direct shows, to assist on shows, to do all that in this academic setting. Um, that can be a great way to build your toolkit. Also, it's very limited opportunity. I mean, there are very few colleges around the country that have graduate degrees in directing. And those that do, it's usually one, two, three, maybe students that they take sometimes each year, sometimes on a three-year cycle, right? So there's very few of those spots and you have to be financially in a position to take it um, if you get in. So there's, there's that opportunity. Um, there's the uh, assisting sort of apprenticeship model of you know, getting into the room, into lots of rooms, hopefully with a lot of different people to learn from different styles as an assistant director, um, those are also, frankly, very limited opportunities. And maybe we'll come back to this a little bit, but they're, they're, they're increasingly more and more limited because um, I know a lot of companies um, 10 years ago 
might bring in a bunch of interns to be assistant directors and it would be unpaid completely or maybe a you know here's fifty dollars a week or you know where summer stock will house you but you're going to make no, no money um for a lot of really 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 good reasons theaters have learned that having people come and work for you and not pay them is a really bad idea yeah. we've talked a lot about that on this podcast um so that that is a healthy development i think in many many ways but especially now with the pandemic and, and everybody, all these companies hurting financially. Um, most of the companies I know are just not having assistant directors instead of investing and paying them because it is for most productions, a luxury um, in terms of what you're spending your money on. Um, I will argue it's a luxury we have to invest in because otherwise there's no pipeline, which is why we created a paid assistant directorship position here at forward last year. Um, but, but that's really hard to do if you don't, I mean, everybody's hurting financially right now. And so, um, creating this essentially educational, um, position is, uh, a, a tough sell, um, financially. Um, and then the other way is to just do it. You learn by doing, and you do all of the work in basements and, um, uh, trial and error try it, fail again, fail better. Right. Um, and I, you know, I think in a, in a perfect world, every, uh, every professional director maybe has some of all of those experiences. Um, but that that's highly unusual given the scarcity of all of it. Um, what do you hear from your, your peers and colleagues, uh, about what they're wanting, maybe folks who are a, a, a step on the ladder, behind you guys um how are, how are people feeling about the fact that there are these opportunities seem to be getting more and more limited i mean the lincoln center director's lab has closed after decades i was i was in that a couple of years during the very early days and that was an incredible opportunity gone yeah and i think one of the saddest things about that closing is a lot of times it's hard for directors to develop fellowship. This isn't really answering your question, but like it, it is really tough to develop fellowship between directors and also trust enough to get feedback, mm -hmm. like feedback, you know, that's not quite from a mentor, but also from like from a peer mm -hmm. um, saying like, this is what I saw. And that's, I thought that was so cool about, what um, the director's labs have been doing, um, the different sections of the director's lab too. Yeah, um, yeah that's pretty sad. Um, I don't know, Jake, do you have? You know, I, I, uh, I haven't had too many conversations in the last couple of years with, uh, with directors who I think are, are trying to wedge their foot in the door somewhere. I've had a few. Um, and, and what I notice, uh, overall is a, is a sense that they don't quite know what to do next. You know, maybe they've directed a reading or two, maybe they've, you know, moved recently and they're trying to break into another market. Um, maybe they're, they've been actors or, or, or another role within the industry. And now they're looking to expand into, uh, into directing as well. And I, 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 it's because the industry and the way that we do things is changing or has been changing so rapidly over the last couple of years, I, get the sense that a lot of people who are trying to, to do the job are feel really destabilized right now. Like they don't quite know who to talk to. 
you know, yeah, the lab going away and, and other instances of that kind of thing is not helping because like Mallory says, it puts you out of contact with what you would otherwise then consider your community going forward. People who can call and who you can call and say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm moving here. And you know, what is the, what are the theaters that you've been, um, been working at for the last couple of years? Can you write an email for me and, and just introduce me and maybe that'll go somewhere and maybe it won't. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that, I think that that's a big piece of it right now is not, not quite having a path charted for, for themselves other than those three that you just laid out. And I would argue that all three of those are really difficult to do right yeah. now when, uh, you know, I, I, if I wanted to, to, you know, jump into the grad school pool now, I, I, uh, yeah, I wouldn't know where to look. I wouldn't know which programs to, to consider at the top of my list, I would want a good one. And I think I've known which ones have been great historically. I don't know if that's the case anymore, honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, because of how everything has changed over the last few years, what, what is being prioritized at colleges and universities uh, seems to be a little different three years later. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I, you, I got really lucky by having theater, you know, by having forward theater right in my backyard and loving the aesthetic and feeling like we were really well aligned and the kind of projects that we wanted to do to where, you know, uh, I got to apprentice with you, Jen. I mean, that was, that was life-changing and, and, uh, and I'm only doing this really um, because of, because of that bit of good fortune. And, um, and if I was just trying to jump in and, and produce my own work without having any prior experience doing it, I would not know where to start. I, ha- I have absolutely no idea how to, how, how people manage to do that. And some of the greats have, but I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know how they even got started in it. Yeah, it's yeah. remarkable to see, you know, even um, just theater company to theater company, how varied people's understanding of what directors do. Oh, yeah. Yep. And and the skills that I mean, there. I think we can agree there's because there, there's so many different aesthetics, right? Like not everybody has to have the same skill set, but there are a couple of, you know, baseline things um, that everybody needs to know. And and the, the number of times you'll see someone just kind of thrown in the deep end who maybe had a career as a designer or more likely as an actor or playwright and just be like, great, now you direct it. And it's like, for those of us who've, you know, trained to be directed, it's like, yeah, but you, you have to learn how to do these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you have to yeah. go through a period where your, your brain is being rewired for that job. It is a, it's a thing that I'm, you know, finally 10 years later, I can actually feel when I'm, you know, watching a play, not, not even one I've directed one, one where I, you know, you, and Mallory, I'm sure you, you've felt this too, where I feel like at the end of the day, what we spent our time doing uh, training as directors is developing a sensitivity first and foremost, you know, that person put that prop mug down three lines too early that pulled focus <laughs> downstage when I needed to know what was going on at the door off the line. You know what I mean? So you, so your brain is always working that way when you're watching a, a, a play or a TV show or something like that. You sort of notice the emphasis was on this word instead of this word. And now they're not going to understand mm-hmm. this thing that I know is coming. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, so it's a real, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it, I, you, I, I wouldn't want to be the person who gets thrown in without any prior experience uh, on a main stage. That sounds really hard. That's yeah. Really, really it's, hard. it's funny too. Like at my, my, um, first time getting a lead role was like in high school. And that is when I decided acting was not my <laughs> path. <laughs> 
Um, it was also uh, Vivian Baring and Wit, which, you know, might have not been a good role for a junior. <laughs> but um, uh, I also was then like, I, I really like, this just isn't my calling and ended up like uh, in in my high school program, you you do acting and directing your junior and senior year, or you do tech for your junior and senior year. And so I was going to do directing anyway, and like, you know, sitting in the audience and hearing folks laugh at like bits that we had collaborated on um, is just like the most rewarding thing to me. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, like, I think as an actor, my brain focused on those things directors should be focusing on instead anyway. So, you know, I, I, um, so I, I feel like my brain transitioned way earlier. Um, but yeah, that's so interesting. I also like, I keep going back and forth about how I feel about internships um paid versus unpaid because uh i i feel like if you're in a position to take an unpaid internship you have a lot of control over what you're able to set as boundaries sometimes um and if a company is not willing to work with you when you're working for free for them then don't work for that company. But a lot of places, I feel like if you if you did come in and say, I want this experience, but like here's what I can do, here's what I can offer, here's what I can bring to the table, like it is a good way in the door on your terms. Um, but you have to maintain your survival job if you're if you're able to do that, you know. Um, and I do wish more places were paying for these internships to get to know folks or folks to be in the room and, you know, be able to actually focus on it rather than having to display their focus um, on multiple different jobs and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> it's so, it is so hard. I mean, and this is, I, I can look at this both through the lens of my own experience as a freelancer coming up in the field and then now where I run a company and I hire directors, right? It, it is so, of all the different roles within creating theater, it is so hard to get in the door as a director. An actor without experience comes in and gives a killer audition and is right for the part and you can cast them. A designer without a ton of experience could still show you their portfolio and you can look at that portfolio and have the conversation and go, yeah, this person has an aesthetic that knows how to make this happen. A playwright, you write a play, you show, you know, directors, the only way to prove, like you said, Jake, to prove what you can do is to do it. And it's really risky for a theater company to put a production in the hands of someone that they don't know can do it, right? It'd be, that is a big risk for everybody involved. And, and so, yeah, those internships can be the way that you get someone to know you and trust you. I mean, certainly that's what led to your main stage, you know, work with us, Jake. It's what led to my, my career. But you, we have to, you know, also at the same time deal with the fact that it's incredibly inequitable. Mm -hmm. You are offering only unpaid internships because 
you have to have a certain level of privilege, economic privilege to Mm -hmm. be able to consider it. So, you know, I'm going to try to, we could talk for hours about this. Um, I'm going to try to start to, 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 to wrap it up, but I just wonder, is there, is there something that you would just love to see develop within, whether it's locally, you know, to you in Chicago or LA or here in Wisconsin or nationally, something in our field that would develop that would make this path easier for directors, for freelance directors? hundred percent. Like, um, I, I feel like not only I, cause I primarily work on new works with playwrights, like the development processes. Um, I would love for, uh, to see more, new plays get incubated along with new directors being incubated. Like those are the two things that I feel like, like could actually be a really amazing training ground for both things. Because when you work on new plays, you're not the leader in the room. You have um, a partner in the development of this work. And it really makes you lead in a completely different way. Um, and I, I, I think that's a learning curve to a lot of, um, a lot of folks. But I, I think it also is a super fertile ground for um, learning a lot about the craft. And uh, so I, my answer is like incubator programs mm-hmm. where it's not necessarily a main stage thing. It could be a smaller thing that maybe gets done once a year. Maybe it's a new play, maybe it's not, you know, but um, uh, a place where uh, you can try, like companies can try out new directors and, um, you know, also mentor them. Mm -hmm. Um, That was, when I was at Renaissance, we started a program called Groundworks that we were able to kind of do that. It, it only ran for two years because of finance, you know, like financially it's, it's another thing, you know, um, even if you're getting scrappy with it, but um, I, I feel like, yeah, a, an incubator program where you can mentor and, and give folks a chance to, to fail grandly. And also like, have a, a place to, um, you know, have a good postmortem meeting afterwards and say, like, what did you learn? Like, I, and also give, like, great feedback to people. And, and that's why I went to grad school. I wanted feedback and I wasn't getting it. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. More of that. More of that here or there, everywhere. Um, I think, because otherwise we're going to go, like I said, we're going to go for another hour. (laughs) I think I will say that that will be it for this particular episode of Theater Forward. Um, Thank you both, Jake and Mallory, so much for for joining us. Yeah, let's come back for part two in a little while. Um, But this has been Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm Jenna Poff Gray. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden, and you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook or Twitter at Theater Forward, as always spelled with an E-R. 
if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on your preferred platform. You know, leave us a question, a comment, a review. We're really grateful to hear from you, grateful to have you listening. And we will be back soon for another Theater Forward Conversation.